You're listening to the So You Think You're Intuitive podcast, a podcast to help you reactivate, grow, and trust your intuition so you can live a more empowered and connected life. Join me, Natalie Miles, spiritual mentor and psychic medium, every Wednesday for inspired conversations, guidance, and practical tips on how you can work with your intuition in your everyday life. Because who doesn't want to trust their intuition more? Welcome back to So You Think You're Intuitive. I'm Natalie Miles, spiritual mentor and psychic medium, taking you on this journey to reactivate and trust your intuition. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Wow. I just want to share, like, it's Equinox this week. It was Equinox on Monday, and it really feels like death and rebirth energy, a real changing of the seasons. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it is fall, it is now officially autumn. Um, And if you are in the Southern Hemisphere, welcome to spring. Oh, that must feel like so amazing having those winter moments and that first day of spring as it kicks in. Yes, whatever season you're at, whatever you're going through, just it really feels like death, rebirth and a turning a corner and a new chapter. And I'm channeling that through, but I'm also reflecting on my own energy right now. So take a pause and a moment, if you haven't already done so this week, to really look at how far you've come this year. Look how far you've come. So often we just keep moving forward and we forget to reflect on everything that's happened, all the changes, all the transformation, the things we've had to face, our fears, our shadows, the people, the things we've had to let go. And just take a moment just to celebrate, even celebrating the darker, shadowy stuff that has held you back as well like embrace all of that and yeah if you haven't done already this is a great time as well to be like what do I want to call in for the next three months what energy do I want to feel how do I want to embrace this energy and something that spirit wanted to share is a message for this week a message for this week especially and this is something I'm going to be doing on every weekly episode going forward is I'm going to be channeling a little message that wants to come through like the monthly upgrade message which is a theme for the month ahead there are also going to be some weekly channeling as well and this is what Spirit just wanted to share about this week and this week is about facing something facing something that you have been pushing aside or facing a fear, but we all are going to be 
facing something in our own personal lives, whether that's an exterior thing, something that's happening within our workspace, within a relationship, having a difficult conversation that you know you've got to have, or it could be internal work, like really facing your fears or facing your anxieties or really acknowledging the love that you have for yourself. But we are being called this week to face something. What do you have to face? Because when we face these things and we bring them out of the shadows and we shine the light on them, we realize that they're actually nothing to fear and they are here to help us and guide us and they're part of the journey. And that's what Spirit want to share today is, yeah, what do you have to face? Because we've all got to face something this week, especially. It's like, if when we face it, we walk through the portal. We There's like a mission accomplished. There's something that we have to face to start this new chapter, this new journey. And hey, you might have already faced it already. You might have faced it. But if you have faced the thing that you need to face, celebrate it and really start taking action. Cool. Um, that is the message from Spirit for the week. There is something else I want to announce. So I haven't been doing one-on-one client sessions since the end of May. So I have had four months with not doing one-on-one client sessions. But during this time, I've begun to realize that I still love sharing messages. Of course, I want to empower others to connect to their intuition and their gifts. And that is the predominant focus of my work right now. But I am being called by spirit that I still need to share messages in some way. And I have been doing that in some of my So You Think You're Intuitive live events and my Heal Your Ancestor Story live that I did the weekend just gone. I So I asked Spirit and said, hey, well, what does that look like? I know it's not in a one-on-one format, but how can I share messages? And so the download that I've received is that I'm going to offer sacred guidance circles. And these are going to be small, intimate, online message circles where I am going to be channeling messages for the group, but also for individuals. And it's going to be a small, intimate, capped, limited group. The circles will run for a couple of hours and everyone will get their own personal channeled message and you'll be able to answer two questions as well of something that you want guidance on. I'm going to be offering two of these in October, um, one during the day PST time and one in the evening. And the link for these are going to be sent out to my newsletter. I am expecting that these are going to get snapped up pretty quick. So if you have wanted a one-on-one session with me and you never had one before, or if you've had a one-on-one session previously and you would like a check-in, these are going to be what I'm going to be offering. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be offering them for. They might just be just for this month, but right now I'm getting a message from Spirit to offer two of these this month in October. Well, next month um, when this episode airs. But yeah, so if you want to be notified of when this all goes live and tickets go live for these, make sure you sign up to my newsletter. I will put the link into my bio so that you can sign up. Okay, I want to introduce this week's guest. It's very rare for me to do two back-to-back 
guest episodes. But I loved this guest episode so much that I wanted to share it with you ASAP. So this week on the podcast, we have Corey Allen. Corey is the host of a podcast called The Astral Hustle, and he's helped thousands of people ease stress through meditation, mindfulness, mental clarity. Um, I loved this chat with him. He has such amazing energy and he shares everything with this masculine vulnerability, warmth and strength. And yeah, just the way he talks about things is really beautiful. And in this episode, we talk about the connection between intuition and meditation, the science of meditation. We talk about starting a meditation practice and why it's so important. He also has a new book out. It's literally out this week and it is called Now is the Way. I loved this book. It's really well written and it's got some great practical examples. And Corey also um, comes from a music background and he has these binaural beats that he has. And I've been listening to them. I've been listening to the binaural beats when I have been writing. Um, I've been doing some of his guided meditations and I've been using his music as as my own meditation practice the last couple of weeks. Oh, it's just beautiful music and it's scientific too with the two different sounds with that go into the left ear and the right ear. I'm to be honest with you, I'm not sure of all the complete technical science jargon. Probably best to go and check it out on his website, but these binaural beats are amazing. Corey and I also talk about using meditation to keep us in the present so that we're not always future thinking of, you know, what's my life purpose? What am I calling in? And how we can bring it back to the present. And one quote that he shared has really stuck with me since our conversation. And I have really been going back to it. I wrote it down and I've been going back and reading it every other day recently just to kind of get myself into a headspace and for me to keep myself present. And the quote is, expectation is entitlement, but intention is self-priming. Expectation is entitlement, but intention is self-priming. When he says this in the episode, I was just like, oh my gosh, I so needed to hear this. And when I'm interviewing guests, it's always in the perfect timing because everything he shared was everything I needed to hear on my own journey. So yeah, this is why I'm like, oh, and we need to put this episode out right now so everyone can hear it too. So enjoy listening to the episode. If you enjoy listening to the episode, please go onto iTunes, give us a five-star review, reach out to me, reach out to Corey. We would love to hear your thoughts and go and check out his book, Now is the Way. Um, It's in all the usual places um, as an ebook and hard copy as well. So enjoy this powerful conversation with Corey Allen and I will be back next week with another episode of the podcast and I can't believe it's going to be the October upgrade message that is coming out next week. So here is Corey Allen. Hi Corey, welcome to So You Think You're Intuitive. Hello, thank you so much for having me. 
Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I am uh, a new follower of yours and I am really intrigued because we don't get, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a lot of male guests on my podcast. They are predominantly women and I've been really trying to find, well, trying to find, but really looking for male guests that I really resonate with and can really feel connected to and I was researching your work and listening to your music and your meditations and what you've been sharing I was like oh I really love Corey's energy oh well thank you so much so that means a lot to me I would want to be uh resonating with everyone regardless of their gender and so uh, (laughs) I'm very happy that that's the case yeah no and you've got a new book coming out which is it literally comes out the day that this podcast comes out actually no it's the day after and it's called now is the way and when I saw this was your title I just got full body chills because it's something that is really coming up in the energy that is around right now that I know a lot of people are like having to face and look at that we've been future thinking too much and we're being brought back into the now more than ever. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we can find what most of us are looking for. You know, I think that we're, we're future projecting a lot because of our evolutionary ability to conceptualize and to think about what happens next. It's a very useful tool, useful quality of our brains. It was extremely useful, uh, particularly one of the reasons why we were successful as a flesh critter thing uh, on Earth is because you know, back in the day, 10,000 years ago or what have you, whenever we were walking through the jungle and there was a tree falling in front of us, we could realize, wait a second, that's going to fall. And if I keep walking, I'm going to get squished and I won't exist anymore. <laughs> so that was it was very useful then, this ancient brain quality. Uh, now, you know, what what's happening is that something I actually call the evolutionary hangover in the book is that you know, we do have this beautiful frontal brain that uh, gives us our ability to intellectualize and, and what have you, but we're operating off of a lot of old ancient brain impulses and not being aware of them makes us tend to project ourselves into the future and the given complexity of our modern society and civilization and so forth makes it to where we become overwhelmed, stunned by paralysis of possibility of what ifs and all that type of thing because also another symptom of our ancient brain is you know the this uh need to stay self-focused we still and that was useful once again back in the day whenever we made sure that there weren't any threats around or anything like that but now that has just mapped itself forward into anxiety into the self-critic and to all this type of stuff that we're suffering from now and so it's a very, very important time, uh, in my opinion, to reel ourselves back into what we're actually experiencing, get tapped into just the raw, rich abundance of what it means to be alive at all, and be able to let go a lot of the anxiety, uh, the fear, the depression, the sense of fragmentation, and all of that, and the, the momentum of distraction that the modern world has uh, placed us in. Yeah. Oh my God. I so feel you on all of that. Um, and how, yeah, the future projecting of the anxiety of 
you know, and that that energy that gets created and those feelings and sensations because we're too busy thinking what we what we want or what we don't have or comparison and then how that triggers to where we're at in the present moment. It's so important to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is just does feel like we're being conditioned to push this stuff down as in, you know, oh, just keep going. I know so many people that have spent so long just pushing all the emotions and feelings down until you have those moments of breakdowns and so it's I guess it's about reconditioning ourselves that we don't have to have those breakdown ultimate low moments and we're kind of keeping ourselves at kind of a level keel yeah absolutely I mean in western society we are from way before either of us were born or you know our parents were born even but particularly our generations you know, we're told that we're not enough because marketing is such a strong, potent uh, function in our capitalist society. We're constantly marketed to in every dimension we could possibly imagine, most times whenever we don't even realize it. And so we're always sold the idea, the story that we aren't enough. And if we are to buy this thing or acquire this thing or look this way or lose five pounds or buy, you know, this, this, that, that, whatever, identify with this, that we might be enough, we might feel okay. And because of that, and um, because of the way that our, our minds work and why that those type of things are predatory upon our human psychology is because uh, it is a signal of a, a evolutionary signal of weakness to mm-hmm. display that you're, or at least that's what we're taught is that's evolutionary signal of weakness to show that we're in pain, to show that we're hurting. And so what's happened now that we're outside to a decent degree of physical threats, we're all, we're living in the world of, of psychological suffering now. And so Whenever we feel overwhelmed, we feel distressed, we feel like we aren't enough because we've been told that our entire lives. We feel like because of the way that social media has begun to manipulate the collective consciousness of the way that we perceive each other and ourselves, we see only the highlights and only the best moments of everyone's life or the self-perceived best moments. And what that does is it makes us feel like we're failing. You know, if we're not living some dream life, that's we're not good enough. We're taught that like now normal isn't even okay anymore is, is what the, the public perception is in general in social media. And so we're left feeling like we have to shroud part of ourselves and we can't share, you know, what we're feeling. And that ends up uh, ends, ends up making us feel, as you said, feeling uh, a lot of that suffering and just shoving down all of those feelings uh, that we're having and not being able to communicate about it. And that is one of the major symptoms of our modern society. Yeah. And isn't that really messed up is that we move into these higher states of consciousness that we're still being forced to show up in like this 2D way more than ever of only showing certain versions of ourselves like we have all these leaders and celebrities and people that you know people are resonating with and looking up to but as and that's where it feels like this big shift is going on where we're beginning to realize that those people are still showing the 2d you know parts of themselves when we're really craving this you know human evolution so that we can be you know really show up as multifaceted human beings Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that it's you know humans have a, a ability to feel shifts in a rather seismic way. I think, and I feel like we're starting to turn a corner. You know, people are beginning to wake up to what you're talking about and beginning to realize uh, the fact that 
because technology has evolved so quickly and everything is becoming so complex and and rather uh, overwhelming, uh, we're learning and people as a whole are beginning to understand that that's causing a lot of new types of problems. And that's what's weird is that technology and the way that society has shaped over the last couple of decades, even in the last five years, you know, think about the iPhone and YouTube are like 15 years old, like less than 15 years yeah. old. And so the fact that everything has changed so quickly, it's caused a lot of brand new problems and you know, with great uh, success and advancements of, of these type of things comes some uh, repercussions, some negative repercussions. And uh, that's what, as far as my book goes, People ask me, why is it called modern mindfulness? You know, and, and I call it that because there are a lot of incredible timeless classics that talk about some of these universal human challenges and experiences that you and I are, are discussing now. Uh, but those books are 50 years old or, mm. you know, or so. And so taking you know, where those books left off and some of those timeless ideas along with a lot of uh, current information and ideas and how those things have evolved over the years. And then actually talking about them in a way that, you know, it addresses what it means to be a person living in 2019 and, you know, really precisely addressing the issues that all of us are feeling, I think is is really important right now. Yeah, because there is so much overwhelm and change and structures being broken down. And as the exterior changes, um, we need to be calling ourselves back into ourselves. And yeah, and this book um, allows people to really kind of look at and discover what that is and what that feels like. Because for some people to really reconnect with yourself and your heart space or just to connect to how your body feels can feel daunting, scary, and look like this kind of foreign thing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it's, and that's one of the problems, I think, is as to why we, we forget about connecting back to the heart space, as you were, you were mentioning, because we're, the, the speed of all this stuff, the speed of the distraction, which keeps us detached from the present moment, it comes on so gradually, or it came on so gradually, that we don't even really notice it until our lives have changed shape. It's like, one of the examples I give in the book is like, you know, we all <clears throat> check our email, I don't know, 10 times a day, yeah. 20 times a day, some people <laughs> 50 times a day. It really depends. But Imagine how weird that would be if you were sitting in your house and you saw at your front window or in your apartment or whatever, and you saw your front window that your neighbor is coming down their driveway, going out, checking their physical mailbox, and they go back inside. And then they come out a few minutes later, check their physical mailbox, look in the mailbox, walk back inside, <laughs> come back again. And you see them do that like 20 times in a row. You'd be like, oh my God, are they okay? Should they I crazy? go like check on them? But we're all doing that every single day, you know? But the thing is, it just, it all faded in so gradually in our lives over the course of, of five years, 10 years or so that it seems normal, but it's so disruptive to our actual life experience that, you know, as we're have our, our heads, our eyes sunk down into the screen, the world is scrolling by and we're just, we're missing the the real beauty of our natural essence, our natural experience. Mm, yeah, oh, I'm, I must admit, I'm guilty of overchecking my inbox. And if that analogy of seeing the person, yeah, exactly, seeing your neighbor go out is 
it does it makes you think hang on a second why am I why am I doing this and why am I being conditioned that I need to do this and as you say it's come in so it's creeped in on a really subconscious level really fast but that and it kind of nods what I want to say is kind of nods to what you were sharing earlier around isn't it interesting and this is coming up in so many different things and um, health and wellness that we're actually going back to old technologies so that we can cope with and heal new technologies so we're being mm-hmm. called back to the original ways of doing things before we had um the newness and we're kind of realizing that we kind of need to combine it together and learn from you know it doesn't mean that we don't have to have these new exciting technologies that move things forward at great pace and speed but that we still need and and our body craves and our soul craves these old technologies to be able to help us and ground us and guide us too oh absolutely yeah and that's like one of the interesting qualities of people is that it's difficult for us to accept simple answers because we want to get our fingerprints all over something and make it more us make it more complex but these, as you mentioned, you know, older technologies, even more ancient technologies, are they're ancient for a reason. <laughs> They've been working for a long time, and they don't need tinkering with. That's why I think the swell of ayahuasca, you know, ceremonies and usage and popularization over the last five years or so has been so potent because it's uh, helping, you know, people rebalance in some ways with uh, some of these these problems that we're talking about. Yeah, and the same with your music because you come with from a music background, and um, that you are sharing these binaural beats. Um, I actually had a listen to some before I came on the podcast. I was like, I'm gonna before we came on the record. I was like, oh, I really fancy something that's gonna like just really ground me. And then I saw that you had some clips on your website. I was like, oh my god, these are amazing! I'm gonna download them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, they, they're they came about for a rather interesting way. Uh, I have been do, you know, composing music and and been a music producer for um, you know at least twenty years, but professionally, you know, more than a decade. And my philosophical and inner life journey has been parallel to a musical journey, and truly, they're one and the same. Um, but in my exploration of my own mind and my inner life, I was also trying to understand how music and sound in general could work with that and could affect that and could could be useful to that inner explorative journey. And um, so I did a lot of research and just testing on myself uh, over the span of many years as far as what frequencies, you know, affect uh, emotional response, affect the body and the mind, and just our general uh, psychological matrix in different ways? What types of resonance resonate with the human nervous system? How can how can you not you know manipulate not in a negative way, but in a positive way? How can you instruct and guide those changes in tones to change the way that the listener feels to or in response to a certain uh, set of frequencies? Uh, how do, does the arising and the arrival and the departure of various layers of textural sounds, how does that affect listener perception and so forth? And th- these were all things that I was just very fascinated with for quite some time. And binaural beats was one of those things that came up as a technology that direct has shows reports to directly affect the listener's uh, uh, brainwave frequencies. 
And so I was really interested in those things probably, you know, almost 20 years ago, as I said, and was doing a lot of research. And then about five years ago or something like that, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and he asked me if I knew anything about binaural beats. And I was like, yes, I do. And he, we kind of talked about them. And so um, he asked if I could make him some. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I did. And then um, I hadn't tried to make any in, in so long. And given that, you know, over the there was a 15-year, 10-year gap there that my music production skills had increased so much that whenever I went to make them, they came out like really powerful because not only did I have a wealth of experience on a musical you know, production side of things to draw from, but also my continued path of exploring my consciousness, of meditation, of becoming aware of the nuance and the shifts of how the music was making me feel and how it was training my consciousness to, to shift into a different state made this, it turned into kind of lightning in a bottle. And so by accident, I became this world-renowned binaural beat creator. <laughs> and since then, you know, I've released um, a couple of sets with uh, my friend Aubrey and then this company named On It has licensed them and they sell them. And then I have my own, uh, many different other sets for meditation, for focus and and various things uh, on my website as well. And the the wonder, most wonderful thing about them is that just you know thousands and thousands of people have have uh, been using them over the last handful of years, and just the endless amount of feedback I get from people who use them is uh, something I'm. It's more important to me than anything, and I'm just incredibly, just inexhaustibly grateful for the fact that. You know, I get messages every day of people saying, I, I've meditated to this track every day for the last three years, or this is the only way that I'm able to sleep is by like calming down and dialing myself down by listening to this track before bed, or like an artist that's like, I paint to these, you know, tracks every day, or whatever it might be, or someone's like, I wrote my novel while listening to this one track on repeat for three months or something like that. And it's just, it's incredibly humbling uh, to me to be able to create something that is uh, serving people like that. Oh, and isn't it, I just love stories like this because you realize that you've come into this earth plane with all the skills and all the gifts. And when you were being a music producer and, you know, sound engineer, it was always very separate to what you were doing. And then suddenly you are here now doing what you do. And it's like, you've, you've come full circle and you get to use all the skills and all the gifts and all the talents and now they all fit into place and it's like oh wow that's why you got me to train being a right. radio producer <laughs> exactly i mean that's one of the things that i have found to be so important you know as as i continue on is that a lot of the big uh, important things in my life that have come seemingly out of nowhere have been able to ar to arise in my life because of my openness and flexibility to to see the doors that open before me and to understand that even though it might not have been something I would have initially thought of that it's it's more valuable than some of the things I might have been trying to pursue and I think that turning your you know the saying that that I came up with that I, I quite like is uh, that expectation is entitlement but intention is self priming mm. and if if we you know, we can have an idea about what our future wants to be, what we'd like to accomplish and achieve and, and get into in, in this life. But the fact that just the happenstance and the chance of 
how the natural world unfolds and how things change, how you know culture changes, how the people you know and the, and all these type of things are co- in a constant state of flux. If you are grasping onto this one singular idea of what you're going to do, then you'll often be disappointed. You'll feel and, and you'll be disappointed alongside other things that could be going great for you. And so, to me, I think being open, setting an intention of the what is the overall effect or cause that I want to be able to be creating in the world, and then just saying like, okay, well, how are the ways I can what? How can I best facilitate that? And being open to observing those magical portals that open, and then being aware enough to walk through them whenever they they're there. Oh yes, yes, yes! That is such a powerful message. I can't, everyone listening to that, this is just complete and utter gold. I completely agree with you. And I love the fact that you used the word portals. Um, The listeners of this community will know that I am such a portal energy fan. And so it is about, yeah, trusting yourself enough to explore and being open to receive and taking the action to step through those portals that get presented to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really like when you step through one of those portals, it's like it all, and I don't mean it literally, but it, it might as well be. It's like you're stepping into another dimension. It's like, okay, I'm in this life now and I'm this person, you know, because right. <laughs> g- given that we're externally identified by the work we do in the world or how we uh, present ourselves and how we act and what we bring into action in the world. When you start doing this other thing, then all of a sudden you become that thing and you weren't that thing before. It's very strange and very curious. It's it's it is almost like stepping into a new uh, dimension of the universe or something like that. Yeah, and then suddenly realizing that again, it's like that realizing you come from a music produ- production background, and then suddenly realizing that it was the skin and the the dimension that you were always walking towards. Right, and that's a valuable thing to like uh, recognize is that yes. Uh, with enough practice, you can collapse all those dimensions down into one singularity, and then you're really firing on on all cylinders. (laughs) But to do that, to meditate and to bring it back into the now is then what facilitates you to be able to do that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, everything, in my opinion, begins with awareness and with self-awareness. And you know, it's interesting is that if you're in your uh, room right now, or if anyone listening is wherever they're at in their car, maybe they're at work or if they're at home or something like that, what is available, like what's happening in that room is so much greater and more complex than we understand in general. It's like there's, even if something as simple as you you don't realize there's a, an ant on the floor or whatever it might be, or that there's like dust on top of something, or that you forgot where your phone was and like, oh, it's actually under this cushion over here. Whatever the example might be, there's so much more in the objective world than what we're perceiving because our human perceptual focus is more like a spotlight or a flashlight that's scanning around our, our environment. And through doing practices that increase your awareness you aren't changing the room per se but what you're doing is you're you're turning up the wattage of your spotlight and of your light you know the light of your consciousness and therefore the detail and the nuance of your environment becomes deeper and more rich and more abundant 
And in that place of this greater awareness and greater self-awareness of what's happening in your outer life, the world around you, the world outside of your skin, and your inner life, your emotional feelings, your you know source spiritual feeling, your intellectual processes and so forth, and how all of those things connect with greater awareness of both of those dualities, then you can connect those two worlds, and that's whenever you, you really get onto something. Yeah. Wow, yeah, it becoming a sense of whole, uh, a sense of wholeness. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had whenever people ask me like, "What is a, what is meditation, or what's a good meditation like?" I say, whenever I'm looking out of the windows of my eyes, the world is looking into my eyes, and I see them both connecting from above all at the same time. Mm. That's the sense of just awareness, right? Yeah. And it's got that kind of matrix vibe where it all kind of merges <laughs> together as well. Always, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I've never meditated before or I feel really uncomfortable, I, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to do it, what would be your like easy way into someone that has is like, oh, this feels really foreign, I don't know if I can do this? Yeah, well, you can do it because you do it every night when you sleep. You just The trick is just figuring out how to do it while you're awake. So you can start with just every morning, or if you only want to try it once, you can just sit down, you know, leave all your distractions aside, basically put your phone somewhere else or turn it upside down and turn off the the music yeah, and, and hide the, it. <laughs> the, the computer. What's that? Hide it. <laughs> yeah, hide everything, right? Um, but very simply, just close your eyes, breathe in, and when you take a nice, slow breath in, don't theatricize it or anything. Just allow it to come in normally, but just a good deep breath. And it kind of picture like you're breathing in life or something like that, whatever that means to you. And then as you exhale, relax all of the muscles in your body, in your face, in your shoulders, and allow that to relax. And then breathe in again, and just picture once again, just breathing in more life. Feel your chest rising. And then as you exhale again, See if you can relax the, the muscles in your face a little bit more, relax your shoulders a little bit more, allow your arms and your stomach to soften, and just continue breathing like that for five minutes. No big deal. And make sure and lower the stakes. Don't expect anything. Don't imagine that you must have this, this notion, this characterization of having a, a crystal clear mind or any of that, that stuff that's in the, the, the world of you know, what people think of when they think of meditation. Just let yourself lay there and and or sit there or whatever and breathe and exhale and soften the body and breathe in, soften the body, and breathe in and exhale and soften the body. And then open your eyes and do that for and don't and don't expect any type of results. Just allow yourself to, to do that. And then try doing that a couple of days in a row for five minutes. And what you'll find is that even doing it five minutes at a time, uh, it's so much. It becomes so much more uh, simple and so much more easy to get into that state of relaxation after you do it a couple of days in a row. Then, after you've done that, you can be, you will begin to feel like, okay, this is not so intimidating. This isn't so weird. In fact, this is just me, as I said, doing what you're doing when you sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm just awake while I'm doing it. I'm breathing like I'm sleeping, nice, calm, relaxed. And the reason you can breathe like that whenever you're sleeping is because your mind isn't there to resist. It's not clenching. It's not holding on or grasping anything. It's just natural body function that's unfolding at its own pace. 
And so you allow yourself to sit, breathe, and make sure and soften, breathe in and soften. And then you might notice your thoughts, and you think, oh, well, my thoughts, it's complete chaos in there. I'm thinking of a bazillion things at once, and so maybe I'm not a good meditator. Well, actually, that thought, that, that first awareness, is achieving the most difficult thing you'll ever try to achieve in meditation, and that's you become aware of your thoughts. So by realizing that you've got all of these quote-unquote chaotic thoughts, you just did something really difficult without realizing it. Yeah. So now, now that you're aware of those, all of those thoughts, you begin allowing them to, to, as you breathe in, you become aware of them. Okay, there they are. And you acknowledge them and then let them go. And acknowledge them and let them go. And just continue acknowledging and releasing the things that come up and arise. And eventually, over time, what will happen is that that will become smoother and more fluid. And then as that begins to relax, the same time your physical body will begin to relax because the way our lives are constructed nowadays we're always fiddling with something with our hands we're always on our phone we're using a keyboard a mouse we're using the the remotes for our television whatever it might be we're always messing with something and whenever we you know our our body our brain it grows into this shape you know the our neural pathways change with habituated behavior because our brain is trying to optimize our physiology and so our brain is in the state of just anticipating being prepared to be messing with something and fiddling with something so the second we stop doing that and we just try and just sit there and relax our hands and relax our body we feel almost like we're shrink wrapped or something. Like we just want, we feel like we're being held down. Like we want, we got to mess with something. We have to move. But through a very simple, easy, low stakes breathing practice, like I described earlier, through a couple of rounds of that, you'll begin to see, like, wait a second, I can actually allow my hands to just rest. I can just sit here and allow them. I feel okay. I can settle into my body. And as you begin to allow, uh, that change to occur, your mind will change simultaneously at the same time. And so maybe a week later, maybe two weeks later, even doing that breathing exercise for five minutes a day, you'll find like, oh, wait a second, I actually feel more at ease every time I try and do this breathing exercise. I don't feel the need or the want to fidget. And my mind does feel a little bit more smooth. I don't feel as overwhelmed. And then maybe you might try and do that a little bit longer. Maybe you do that for 10 minutes if you can, if you've got the time, or, if, or more exactly, if you decide to make the time for it. And then what's very incredible about it is that as you just put in a tiny bit of, of this time, this effort, and if we think about all the time we waste during the day, you know, not to be too crude or anything, but... People sit on the toilet looking at their phone for 15 minutes a day. You know, it's, it's not necessary. It's not a good use of time, you know. Um, right. You can take five minutes of that and do and meditate before you go to bed. You'll get incredible benefits. So after you are meditating uh, a little bit each day and you begin to just blow off some of that steam, you know, because our bodies, our nervous systems, we have all of our impacted and stored emotions, our trauma, our unprocessed, uh, you know, ideas, and and all these things that, that you were describing earlier, that's all innocent. We're like this teapot. We're full of pressure, and 
that's why people have reactionary explosive responses to things. They get they blow up over something insignificant because we're people are stored to the brim with all these feelings and thoughts and and pressure that's been shoved down. But what meditation does is allows that to slowly that teapot, you know, the top comes off and the steam slowly starts coming out. And eventually like a teapot, you your steam is now no, you're no longer pressurized anymore, and you begin to feel like all right now I'm feeling less fidgety, my mind's feeling a bit more smooth. I'm a, a little bit more aware of what I'm thinking in the moment that I'm thinking it, how I'm feeling. I'm I can alter my actions a bit more clearly. I'm choosing in the moment how to express myself, what thoughts I want to turn into actions, what I want to say to people, how I want to show up in the world. And then you'll find that in your entire life that this change begins fading in and bleeding into your daily experience. So you'll be with your friends, you'll be you know, out shopping, you'll be at your job or whatever. And you'll notice that same calm lucidity showing up in all of your life. And that is the true beauty of meditation is that those that feeling of, of being able to relax, come back to the present and feel aware and and what have you uh being able to take that with you into your life is uh, truly life-changing yeah it's like a rewiring of mind body spirit and everything and all the levels mm-hmm. i am briefly interrupting this episode to let you know about my new online workshop heal your ancestor story During my one-on-one client sessions, Channeling Spirit, it kept coming up that the patterns, themes, and blocks they were experiencing were connected to their ancestors and their family. So I decided to share the tools and guidance shared by Spirit on how to begin to heal these stories in this Heal Your Ancestor Story online workshop. Our ancestor story are made up of the themes, blocks and patterns we carry from our ancestors and they don't have to be from our ancestors hundreds of years ago but our parents, grandparents and great-grandparents. When we identify our story and begin to heal it we are not only healing ourselves but the past generations and generations yet to come. During this workshop, I will guide you through a series of guided meditations and journaling where you will identify your ancestor story and begin the healing process. You can also do this if you don't know who your family are. There are payment plans available and between now and December 2019, there are pre-recorded support check-in calls to guide you through the process and the journey where you can submit your questions of anything that's coming up for you during this process. For more information, visit the show notes where there is a link on how you can find out more information and sign up to this Heal Your Ancestor Story online workshop. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. Random question that I want to ask. When I'm doing meditations, I can do meditations where I'm just being and just seeing what comes in and what goes out, but a lot of the time during my meditations, I get taken on journeys and 
um, I get messages and I connect with people on the other side. For you, when you've been doing those meditations yourself, do you get any kind of recurring visions or have that kind of um, experience during your meditations where you go places and see things and experience things? Yes, uh, absolutely. My meditation these days is highly visionary. Uh, and you know what I described earlier, of course, is just the those are the first steps yeah. uh, for meditation. Uh, to me, you know, I've been meditating for about twenty years uh, now, and um, yes, my first the first five minutes or so of my meditation is um, just getting settled, uh, kind of blowing off that kind of what I've gathered throughout the day or or the previous day of just the 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 steam you know that's built up allowing that to release and get settled and then yes i have a, a highly visionary mind's eye meditation for you know about 10 15 minutes and then the i finish my meditation with what i call a practice called the watcher which is just a a no mind uh pure awareness type of situation so yes uh i definitely a big part of my meditation is visionary Amazing. And um, I'm being called to ask you, have you received any kind of really inspirational messages and guidance that you've then taken action on in those meditations that have created things on the exterior for you? Yeah, pretty much every day. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it is the best things, the best ideas, the best insights and most clear insights that I get are always in that state. Yeah, I feel you. I seem to, yeah, you get those kind of mini downloads or kind of pings of, as you say, things that have been buried underneath that you kind of get to rediscover. Yeah, I, I have two views of thought on what that is. Part of it, I think, is the through the stabilization of the mind, the membrane between the subconscious and the conscious mind becomes a bit more op opaque or thin. And so given that our subconscious is... Essentially, like, you know, when we dream, it's deeply symbolic and it's all the fragments of our, uh, you know, consciousness coming together to create these symbolic images that we can then sort of try and extract literal information from once we awaken. In during meditation, what happens, I believe, is that you become, you, your agency, your conscious agency is able to become more aware and observe those symbolic subconscious fragments while you're awake. So as those things arise and rise into, uh, you know, above the threshold of our conscious mind, uh, we're able to see them then. And ultimately, you know, brains are funky because they spend their entire uh, lifespan trying to get itself to realize things. <laughs> so weird about <laughs> brains, you know? It's like it's spending all this time trying to get like from one side of the fence to the other side <laughs> of the fence, right? But it's the same thing. It's really weird. So um, I think that in those states that what's happening is is part of it is that. And that's why when you're meditating, you know, I say that you know, metaphorically that you're meditating while you sleep. Why meditating while you're awake is, is crucial is because you have awareness. You have a conscious mind awareness to engage and, and experience that. Then you don't have that while you're sleeping. Uh, another part of me, you know, that would be my kind of scientific, Science materialist, rationalist take on it. Another part of me might look at that and say it could potentially be a, a more mystical type of experience where we're tapping into some non-local frequency of consciousness and we're resonating and, you know, with uh, other 
beings or entities or other human beings. I mean, the amount of times that I have been meditating have thought of a person and had almost like a conversation with them. And then they've texted me right after that or at that moment, or I've told them afterwards and we had the same experience at the same time, you know, consciously or something is uh, is just an endless amount of those occurrences. And so it makes me almost wonder as if our, you know, the, in, the energy, the, the neurons, the electricity, whatever you want to call it in our brain is resonating very much like, uh, you know, when the opera singer sings and yeah. it resonates the wine glass and it shatters are the shapes of our conscious energy in our minds, is that resonating with someone else uh, in the same shape and we're somehow able to have this intuitive connection? Uh, I, you know, that would be, that's a speculative kind of mystical look at it. And I you know, suspect that it's, I mean, probably it's some of both of both. those things. Yeah, I that's what I was like. I was like, when you're to say, I'm like, when you're talking yeah it's both it's both it's that how again the the science and the mystical combined and if for me i'm like it must be connected in some way there has to be bits and elements especially the the resonance element and the energy um element of that and yeah of of, of that and then having those moments where friends reach out or those synchronicities in those moments yeah and i, I think something's so valuable i think the the more that uh, I honor this idea the more it presents itself to be true, or, or at least uh, it's empirical to me, it's provable and testable, is that the, um, I love this idea by uh, D.T. Suzuki, who's like a Zen uh, writer from, you know, uh, 50 years ago. But one of his things is that he, he refers to enlightenment, uh, intuition as a form of enlightenment. And what he means by that is that the or what I extracted from it anyway is that uh, what I think he means by that is that the root of who we are and the root of the fullness of our natural brilliance arises and in in forms pre-memory, pre-emotion, pre-intellectualization, and so all of that that's coming up from you know from source, from whatever you want to call it, and it's flowing through our whole matrix of our being. <laughs> That is the completeness, the fullness of what we are. But what happens is that as that arises, it gets pushed through the mesh of our memory and it changes because we feel like we have to identify what we're feeling now with what we've experienced and who we were or who we've uh, kind of lulled ourselves into believing who we were. Then it moves through our emotions and we have an emotional response to it, which can be useful or not useful or, or what have you. It can be a, a, a teaching type of situation. Then that goes into our intellectual mind, which is like a you know a cheese grater, and it shreds it up because then we that's where our ego lives, that's where our self talk lives, that's where our idea that we must present our ideas and ourself to society in a certain way, or else we will be you know uh, not accepted or, or whatever it might be. And the more that, to me anyway, I can be aware and pay attention to the arising of that natural brilliance. And by brilliance, I don't mean uh, intelligence. I mean brilliance as in like the shining of light on top of the of a ocean or something like that, like essence, you know. The, um, the more that I can be aware and listen to that and don't allow it to be manipulated by the causal chain that it passes through before it gets out, I can really use the intellect, use my emotion, and use my memory to help facilitate and support what comes to me 
on a, from source, from a natural place or, or the root of my consciousness and have that come through. And the more that I do that, the more potent I feel and the more authentic I feel that I've been able to show up and express myself in the world. And, and during those moments of meditation or, uh, uh, you know, those kind of um, visionary experiences that you and I were talking about, I do feel that that is tapping directly into that natural brilliance. And the more I've listened to that and not questioned it, not th thought myself out of it, because there's been so many times I'll have a voice, you know, my voice or whatever it might be, say very plainly or clearly, like, you should do this. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, okay, I'll do that eventually or tomorrow or whatever, or I'll think about it or maybe. And then, of course, you forget about it and you carry on with your life the more I can just, I'll hear that voice of you should do this. And I literally will, after I'm done with my meditation, get up and go immediately do that thing. The more I do that, the more amazing dominoes that fall forward into the future of my life. Oh, yeah. And I love the way that you describe that because that's how I describe listening to the the intuitive voice is, you, you know, it's not going to sound like a voice of God or something. It's going to sound like your voice, but it will sound direct. And it normally comes from the back of the head, back of the mind versus the frontal chatter. Mm -hmm. And that the whole point of it is to take action. So often we come out of these states or we get these messages, downloads, whatever you want, however you want to describe them. But then we don't take the action of the message that we've been receiving. And that's the game changer to, as you say, to have, to see the dominoes fall. Um, it's amazing what happens when we take action. Totally. And I think it sounds like your voice not the voice of God, because you are God. <laughs> yeah, right? It, you, it's you. The power's in you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're just through all these tools and practices, we're just re-unlocking and re-looking at how we can access the power that's all within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One other quick question before I want to share some messages with you is... Um, What's your advice for someone who knows they need to meditate, but they keep talking themselves out of it? I suppose some of what I described earlier, just really lower the stakes. Don't make it this thing where you're like, all right, I'm going to meditate for an hour and this is going to be, you know, this, it's either this or nothing. Um, allow it to be really simple and it should all, you know, all the stuff we're talking about, it should all work for you. You know, it's all a part of, they're all methods and tools that serve you and improve the quality of your life and the life of the people around you. And just even if it's one minute, even if it's uh, what I call on hold moments in life, like whenever you're waiting in line or you're sitting at a red light in your car or you're on the, on the train or metro or whatever, there's these little moments in life where we have like a minute or two or three that we have to just kind of, like our physical body is just there for that time. And um, even waiting in a restaurant for your food to arrive or whatever it might be, take those little snaps of time to, okay, correct your posture, take a few deep breaths, even close your eyes uh, if you're comfortable doing that, and take 10 breaths. Just count one, inhale, exhale, one, inhale, exhale, two, inhale, exhale, three. And just make it simple and you can find there's those moments in life all the time and allow the benefits to reveal themselves to you. Yeah, allow themselves to reveal. Yeah, that's so powerful and so poignant. Corey, I wanna share some messages with you. 
All right, let's hear them. <laughs> um, the first message that comes through is around how you're so used to interviewing others and allowing others to have the stage that this book coming out is going to be a really interesting shift of turning the light on you. Mm. And that um, they're saying like, this is um, a real phase of embodiment of allowing you to, for you to shine and step forward. Um, there's going to be lots more in camera, in front of camera work coming up for you, a lot more visibility with um, the book and everything else coming forward for you. But they're just saying like, it's going to be this kind of um body soul realignment of you being seen for for you is really important well i could i could dig that i appreciate you know the more opportunity that there is to try and share what you know this way i look at the book anyways it's like i figured out based upon my background and past experiences how to face these challenges that I have experienced, how to get on the other side of them, how to deconstruct my suffering and begin to live uh, in the way that I intuitively knew was possible. And through my podcast, you know, uh, when I would talk about these things kind of casually, a lot of the listeners over the years would hit me up and say, hey, I'm experiencing that or I have gone through that as well. And it made me realize that what I could do is is these are universal human experiences and I could create a map to share with other people and help cut down the time it takes for others to, you know, transform their suffering from, uh, you know, from the, from pain into gold, you know, and uh, the more I can, that's my entire intent. And the more I can do that, uh, I think the, the happier I'll be. Yeah. And it's also that you're not just, healing yourself and you're healing the listeners that or the people that you're engaging with you're also healing um your ancestral lineage through all of this especially the male line um it's this is this is healing past generations as well um spirit are really clear um especially your father and down that side of the line it's really by you um stepping into this work and sharing this it's really he um healing a lot of the the blocks around the masculine being their authentic selves yeah that's cool you know i mean like it makes sense to me because uh my you know father wasn't in my life and then he died whenever i was 20 and now you know i say i'm 37 now but uh i i say tend to say now that i love him and i'm able to love him now more than i was whenever he was alive and in my visionary meditation he is one of the characters that has like made it clear that he dedicated himself to me in the other realm the other in my subconscious and the astral whatever you want to call it to being like of service to help facilitate my future and and try and not make up for but be there in a different way yeah it's a very interesting type of personal uh, experience for me in that way so that that makes a lot of sense yeah the support that he shares and his grandfather and his great-grandfather there's yeah the the ancestor story around support and love and showing up and how how do you be a father is is so prevalent and i love that he you know he's coming through to you in in those meditations already because yeah he's really helping to open those portals and opportunities yeah big support from him on the other side 
Well, he's a fierce fella, so it's a good yeah. person to have on your side. Yeah, like he's kind of a bit of a gatekeeper energy. Obviously, <laughs> he he protects you from a lot of. Um, yeah, you wouldn't want to mess with him, but there's a lot of there's a very strong like don't he creates good boundaries around you. Mm. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, he's he's key in that sense. Um, and there's one other message that is um, there's lots of change and transformation going on around this time not just with the book being released but that just feels like there's a lot of unsolid ground beneath you um be i keep wanting to talk about moving moving home moving spaces there's gonna um between now and the end of march of next year that's just the meditation and all of this of, of staying present and being open is really going to help you navigate lots of um things to do with stability is going to keep coming up yeah where you live what's happening structures just be aware of lots of things falling apart between now and the end of march hmm. okay yeah not in a negative way. it's this is they're saying this is a time of refinement to get you clear on what the next thing is after the book Hmm. Um, because the book is like um, the book is like a gateway into something, but you're trying to discover and work out what is the thing after the book. Cool. Well, I'll keep yeah. my eyes um, peeled. And honestly, music is just going to keep coming back around. Yeah, that's no surprise. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's in uh... your soul. It's so there. And um, yeah, music and also, um, I don't know if you've done this in the past, but supporting other conscious artists, I don't know, there's something around conscious artists and either you making music or or helping, there's some kind of connection between taking these beats and putting them into, um, yeah, more mainstream music. Cool. Yeah, I've done some things like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. There's more that Sweet. wants to come through. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for letting me share some messages with you. Sure. Thank you for sharing them. How can people find you where, I mean, obviously the book um, Now is the Way is going to be released once this episode is out. So yeah, where's the best people, where can people find you, grab the book? They can go to nowistheway.com. That will take them to uh, all variety of places where they can grab the book, but that's also connected to my site, so they can go check out the podcast, the Astro Hustle, or music, or whatever other type of thing, guided meditations, or, or whatever uh, that they'd like. And um, then, uh, yes, also on all social media, it's Hey Corey Allen is uh, my handle on all platforms. Amazing. Thank you for coming on as a guest, Corey. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate the invitation and uh, I've had a good time talking to you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah.